It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about flammable versus inflammable, and a meaty middle about the different points of view you can use in your writing, and a featured listener. On to the quick and dirty tip. When we're describing something that burns easily, we say it's flammable. But inflammable means the same thing and was the original word. So why do we have both? It turns out that many people mistakenly thought that inflammable meant resistant to burning, which it doesn't. The in prefix usually has a negative meaning, as in indelible, which means can't be deleted, and indefinite, which means not defined. But the in prefix has another use, too. It can act as an intensifier. That's what it's doing in words such as intoxicate and indent. It's just intensifying toxicate and intensifying dent. And that's what it's doing in inflammable. It's just intensifying the meaning of the flammable part. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of English Usage, the National Fire Protection Association felt that people thinking inflammable things wouldn't burn was enough of a safety problem that they started using the word flammable instead. And that's why flammable is so popular today. In the 1920s, almost nobody used the word flammable. But by the 1970s, it had overtaken inflammable. So that's your quick and dirty tip. Flammable and inflammable mean the same thing. And they're both proper words. But for safety reasons, flammable is the better choice. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday, and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. 
Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. And now on to points of view. There are a few key decisions that you have to make early in the writing process. Where is your book going to be set? Who will the protagonist be? What's the central conflict? Before any of these decisions can be made, however, you first have to decide what point of view will best serve your manuscript. You probably know the difference between the first-person point of view, where the story is narrated by the protagonist using the pronoun I, and the third-person point of view, which is narrated with pronouns such as he and she. What you may not know is that even once you've chosen the third-person point of view, there are various types of third-person point of view that you can use, and these different styles can change the tone and scope of your manuscript. Today, we'll talk about three of the most common types of third-person point of view. Third-person limited, also known as third-person close, tells us the story using pronouns such as he and she, but only gives us access to what the protagonist thinks and feels, and we can't know more than the protagonist knows. For example, in the third-person limited point of view, we can know that our protagonist John loves waffles and has a crush on his colleague Brenda, but we can't know that Brenda prefers pancakes and has barely noticed her colleague John. Since we don't have access to Brenda's head, our knowledge is limited to what's in John's head. Writers often choose this point of view because it allows them to dive into the head of their protagonist and give us full access to the protagonist's motivations and emotions. Third-person omniscient point of view is all-knowing and employs a narrator that can interpret the plot and offer commentary on characters and events. In this point of view, you can write a scene where Brenda and John are waiting for their coffee to brew in the break room. And the reader can know that while Brenda is anxious for her cup of joe, John is hoping the machine will break so he can strike up a conversation with Brenda. In this point of view, we can also learn that the coffee machine has already broken once this morning, even if neither Brenda nor John knows this fact. The breadth of a third-person omniscient narrator's knowledge means that we can know much more than our protagonist and understand the meaning of events that characters themselves may not be able to comprehend. In the third-person objective point of view, the story is told in the style of reporting, 
and the narrator can't dip into the heads of any of the characters. The story is told in an objective way, with the narrator telling us what happened, where it happened, and who was involved. In this point of view, we can see Brenda and John waiting for their coffee to brew, but we can't know what either of them is thinking. If they speak, we'll hear their dialogue, but we won't know what either of them felt as they spoke these words. In this point of view, the reader must infer what's going on in the heads of these characters, because the third-person objective narrator isn't privy to this knowledge. How can you figure out which third-person point of view is right for you? It's not as complicated as you might think. For example, if you want your reader to have access to the thoughts of only your protagonist, you'd choose the third-person limited point of view. If you want your reader to have access to the thoughts of your protagonist as well as other characters, you'd choose the third-person omniscient point of view. If you'd prefer that the reader only see the events of the plot unfold without any access to the interior lives of your characters, you'd choose the third-person objective point of view. The genre you're writing can also help dictate the point of view you choose. For example, young adult novels and romance novels in the third-person point of view are almost always written in third-person limited, because the plot often hinges on the emotional growth of the protagonist, and putting the reader inside the protagonist's head is the easiest way to see this change occur. Third-person omniscient, on the other hand, is more popular for genres like literary fiction, where a narrator is useful in giving a broader context to the story, as well as in speculative fiction, like science fiction and fantasy, where the author will often employ an omniscient narrator to deliver a level of world-building and foreshadowing that the third-person limited just can't deliver. If only these characters knew what awaited them! If you're still stuck on what point of view to choose, try writing the same scene from all three points of view, and then ask yourself which one strikes the tone that's appropriate for your book. Or vice versa, write the scene and see what comes naturally to you. Oftentimes your voice will make itself heard. That segment was written by Kat Brzezowski from Swoon Reads. Have other questions? Swoon Reads is happy to answer them for you. Check out their writing guide and email them any of your pressing questions on writing, the editorial process, or about publishing in general at swoonreads at macmillanusa.com. This week, I want to thank NameNick9, who wrote this iTunes review. Quote, I speak hip-hop, but I need to speak Fortune 500. I'm a new listener but found these helpful and fun, like the Charlie Chaplin episode. You learn proper pronunciation and correct use of words, unquote. I loved that. I speak hip-hop, but I need to speak Fortune 500. That's a figure of speech called metonymy, where you don't use the actual word for something, but instead you use a word associated with it or that evokes it. The example we've used before is saying, I want Hollywood to know my name, using Hollywood to mean all the people who work in the film and TV industry. Suits is another example. Instead of saying, I wonder what the executives think, you could say, I wonder what the suits think. And NameNick9 used hip-hop in Fortune 500 to describe types of language in a way that's much more interesting and memorable than something like Black American English and Standard Business English. Great job, and thanks for the review. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find transcripts of every podcast segment at quickanddirtytips.com. And did you know that I've written seven books about language, including a New York Times bestseller? 
Search your favorite bookstore for Grammar Girl to see them all. That's all. Thanks for listening. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it, between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are.